Is a lineup of Tabellis and Kirk Kreese good enough to take Arizona and get over the top as the main players? I say no, but we're going to get to that. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. I am your host, Mike Luke, joined by John Schuster. All right. Um, you got uh, Julius Tabellis is going to have probably a wrist procedure done where he's going to be, he's going to miss a little bit of time. So we're going to talk about what exactly that means, how far Arizona can go, what Arizona needs from Azulis Tabellis and Kirk Risa. All right. Schuster, before, uh, I thought going in, and I've used this comparison before, but I'm going to use it again. Um, I thought going into next year, that next year's team has a little bit of that 1995-96 vibe to it, where you lost Damon Stoudemire, you lost Rayos, not a ton of expectations, but you had a solid underrated core coming back where, you know, guys like Ben Davis, Reggie Geary, you had some nice role players and Corey Williams, Joe McClain, and lo and behold, Arizona surprised some people. Um, ben Davis was the guy that really kind of took that, uh, you know, kind of took that mantle right there and was able to get Arizona to that next step. Now, granted, they lost in the Sweet 16, but a player did emerge. My question for you is this. Can Ojulis Tabellis emerge in that Ben Davis type role where maybe Arizona can surprise some people next year? Yes. Uh, I think he can have Ben Davis style numbers at Arizona. I think he can put up close to a double double i i would not be surprised if he's a 16 and 10 type player uh at arizona with a hopefully limited but occasional frustrations against a lot of talent in the conference and in their non-conference schedule i think that's very possible is uh you know if if he's your number one guy does that mean you're in for you're going to snap arizona's streak of uh being absent from the final four I think that's a little bit more of a difficult sell uh, and and something that Arizona is going to have to get a lot of uh, improvement from a number of other players and hopefully depth that is similar to them last year. I think, uh, you know, if if if, what what was Tabellus on this year's team, second best player, third best player, second or third best player. Right. Yeah. When 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 it came down, I know there are three guys who went to the league, but. Matherin was better at times. You could argue Coloco was better. Uh, I, I, you, you can make that favorable argument. Um, you know, and I, I think, and Terry was excellent as the season progressed. But generally speaking, Tabellus, when he played well, was really good. Right. Uh, and, but, you know, there were certain opponents where physicality became a problem and he kind of wilted. And, you know, that's something that he has to work his way through. But if he can get comfortable on the interior, I think he can be a, a problem and absolutely uh, help Arizona in a positive way and put up good numbers in the process. What were your expectations going into 95, 96? Oh, I think the, that was the first year just to, just to, you know, just kind of lay the line. That was the first year that Arizona, I believe, hadn't been ranked in like six years. And it was a preseason poll, granted. Now within what, two weeks, they were in the top five in the country right, or something right. to that effect. But what were your expectations going into that year? I think where Arizona, you have to be very pleased with what Arizona was able to cobble together 
that that season. They, they did a remarkable job. And I think folks who followed the Olsen era would probably suggest that that season ranks as one of Lute Olsen's better coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but uh, those, th- those in the know by then who had seen Olsen teams now for 10 years right. and saw the 88 team come out of nowhere as well, uh, were not at a point where they were necessarily surprised that Arizona was playing better than a lot of other people in November. Right. Uh, so, so I think to some degree, you, you knew that they obviously lost talent and there was going, and, and they were, you know, going to have to work a little bit harder to be favorably competitive, but that Arizona was able to win some of the games that they did. I don't think should have come to as a surprise to anybody because it had happened under Olson already. And it right. happened under Olson with some regularity. So when it happened, you know, maybe you didn't expect it going in, but when it happens, like, yeah, I guess I should you have seen that weird, coming. You know what's weird about that team and is that if Joseph Blair isn't ineligible for that last semester, I mean, who knows how far that team really could have gone because well, didn't they have two issues? Refresh my memory here. Didn't they have the wasn't that the was this the team that lost to Kansas in Denver because it had basically six players? Correct. Yes, and they lost okay. by two. Right, and they lost by two, and, and and yes, with an extra player on that roster, you feel a good player too. Good. Yeah, you feel pretty good about their chances to maybe tweak that a little bit because their game plan going into that game was excellent. Right. Uh, that 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 was a well. Olson got everything out of that team that I think he possibly could have, and gave Kansas everything it could have handled. And and so. You know, you never know. Once you knock off a big favorite, what can happen after that? You know, it's possible that this Arizona team, relatively undermanned, even with Joseph Blair, loses in the Elite Eight. Uh, but it's all kind, kind, kind of like what UNLV did to Arizona. Uh, the year that UNLV upset Arizona, they turned around, and I think it was Seton Hall who whacked them pretty good the next right. round. Uh, so, you know, that sort of thing happens in the tournament, too. Was Arizona going to win the title in 96? I don't, you know. Right. No. Uh, but could they have gotten an extra round out of it? Maybe. Sure. Uh, with Blair, that's a possibility. They, they certainly played remarkably well, given what they had. All right. Now, if you if you were in on it and you weren't surprised by it, there's only one place you should have gone, and that's the Bet Online Sportsbook. Now, Bet Online Sportsbook probably wasn't around back then, but if there was going to be a deja vu of 95, 96, Bet Online Sportsbook is where you would want to go to get it. They've got all the best props. They got all the best deals. It's been around. It's not going anywhere. Give Bet Online Sportsbook a look. We'll be right back with you. We're going to now talk a little bit of Kirk Carissa. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right. Also joined by John Schuster. Um, let's talk a little bit, Shoe, about now. My comparison with 95-96, I think one thing that was uh, very – we talked about Ben Davis or Julius Tabellis. One thing that I think was a real stabilizer that nobody could have been quite sure about in 95-96 was how Reggie Geary would be able to man the point guard position full-time. Because, again, he had played a ton, but he had played a ton with Damon Stoudemire handling the ball, Khalid Reeves the previous year handling the ball. This was Reggie's first year – at Reg- Geary's first year – as point guard, and he did very well. He averaged seven assists a game. He led the conference, and I think he was third in the nation along with his uh, his kind of defense right there. So I think he was a real linchpin. If Kirk Creesa 
is one of your two or three best players. And I mean clearly one of your two or three best players, whereas this year he was probably your fifth best player. What, how, how, far, how far in your opinion can you go? Well, the good news is that we can talk all we want about quote-unquote point guard. But Arizona's system in the half court, I think, lends itself to not necessarily needing a quote-unquote point guard. I think right. Dalen Terry was Arizona's best quote-unquote point guard last right. year. Right. He played a forward position. His replacement, I think, is going to be Arizona's quote-unquote best point guard this year. Carissa needs to be a good outside shooter. He needs to improve from that capacity. And if he can give Arizona a little bit of leadership mentality and psychology, uh, then I think that's what his – benefit is going to be. Arizona runs a style of offense that is so free-flowing that the concept of point guard, I think, is kind of overrated for a team like this. So right. even though Kerr technically plays the position, I think there are a lot of other rotating parts in there that can be equally as beneficial. The key is, like it was this year, how well does Arizona move the ball and what's its, what is it its assist-to-basket scored ratio? And if right. that ratio was up in the 70th percentile, then on the offensive end, Creesa is doing his job just like four other guys are. Because you have guys on that roster who are going to be able to move the ball in a team that likes to cut without the basketball. That's a good recipe. For so sure. you don't need you don't need Creesa to sit out there and play TJ McConnell. Look to the back, try to get what the play, rush to the front of the court, look back, try to get what the play is, and be the guy who's always hold, who's freezing the ball. Arizona under Lloyd is not a freeze-the-ball team. Right. They want to move the ball around, get it to a lot of different spots on the floor, and it's just as likely that Creesa can be the third or fourth option with an outside jump shot as he is the guy who's ultimately setting up the offense. So I don't put a whole heck of a lot of credence in Creesa as a point guard, certainly not in the Reggie Geary model. Right. Uh, I think uh, Arizona's free-flowing offense is something to keep in mind. They can move it from a lot of different positions, and Creasa needs to be a guy who can improve his three-point shooting. I'd also like to see Creasa get a little bit stronger. Um, I think with next year's team, one of my concerns, I don't have a ton of concerns when it comes to the offensive uh, offensively, because I think Lloyd is that good. I think Lloyd can figure things out. As you've been, you know, as you've admired Gonzaga from afar, the one thing that you can all and you told me about from day one is about how every part they utilize every part of the court in the half court. There's nothing that is redundant. Everybody is moving. I do worry a little bit of defensively next year because I think there are some question marks on that. We're going to get to that coming up. But one thing there is no question about, and one thing that Kirk Creesa, if he's listening, which he's probably not, that he should consume. But he should be. He should be. Built bar. Now. You say, Mike, why would he consume Built Bar? I just said that I think one of the things that he needs to do is get a little bit stronger. Where else could you go to get something that's going to make you stronger than Built Bar? Schuster likes the blueberry. I like the blueberry. It tastes very good. I am 100% on board with Built Bar, as is John Schuster, correct? Oh, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about what this team needs to do defensively. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right. Where Arizona, I think, is going to have the biggest problem replacing the uh, departures is on the defensive side. Christian Coloco was, by any measure, a monster last year. He was uh, defensively, he was able to guard people in space. He was able to impact shots. He was essentially able to do whatever you needed to out there. And you're probably one of the handful of best defensive players in the country. 
Dalen Terry on the perimeter was that jack of all trades. I know that's an overused term, but I think it's appropriate for Dalen Terry. Dalen Terry. Um, <laughs> you're not. Be, you can't just replace guys like that. Um, I think if you saw in the tournament that the game got a little. The game at times can get a little too fast for Kirk Creesa. So if you got a lineup where you got Kirk Creesa, Pella Larson, uh, Julius Tabellis. There's not a ton of defensive stoppers on there, and that's what worries me a little bit. I think that's absolutely fair, uh, and and it was going to be a problem. What and and it's one of the reasons why you really hope Terry would return. Right. Uh, he wasn't going to help with Coloco on the interior, but he was going to be able to be a pest uh, in the passing lanes, and that was going to be the type of thing that Arizona could get cheap buckets from. When you're when you have issues on the defensive end. Uh, you're going to have to figure out ways to try to manufacture easy baskets. And Arizona was able to do that for the first two thirds of the season last year before it curiously backed off on that approach uh, toward the end of the campaign uh, by, uh, by, by, by being able to be a lot more aggressive uh, from a defensive standpoint and play a lot of different things. One of the things, and, and this is kind of one of the no, misnomers, and I think especially a misnomer with statistics related to the older Gonzaga teams, a little bit less than these Gonzaga teams, but I think the comparison still applies. Gonzaga going into the tournament generally always ranks remarkably favorably in terms of overall defense, meaning right. they give teams score at a clip of 38%. Right. A lot of that is obviously due to the fact that they play in a crap conference right. and they play crap teams and they dominate bad competition right. uh, and, and it boosts their numbers. So don't be surprised. And this is and 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 you'll be able to tell from an overall athleticism standpoint where Arizona generally ranks. Do not be surprised if defensively the the Wildcats statistically hold teams to somewhere in the neighborhood of 38 neighborhood of 38 percent. And then still be concerned about whether they can do that against legitimate top flight athleticism. And that's right. something that remains to be seen. And I'm not sure what the answer is as far as the construction of this roster is concerned. There are a lot of question marks out there. It's nice to have a guy who's seven foot in the middle. That helps. Right. Uh, you know, you're going to have to get uh, Tabellus to be clever and hopefully a little bit more physical. But then you've got a lot of uncertainty at a lot of other positions. I think a guy who can be very helpful, especially if you're defending man-to-man, -man, and I would not be surprised if Arizona plays a lot more zone this year. I would, if, I would imagine so, right. But if you're playing man-to-man -man this year, look for Pella Larson to be the defensive stopper, a right. guy who is the definition of athletically deceptive. Mm -hmm. But at 6'5", I deceptively think... deceptively athletic. That, or either of those, he's that deceptive and that athletic that he can be both uh, in any order. And, but I think he can he can defend three or four guys on the floor and may be asked uh, to do that. And if he's successful in that, then I think he can go lo a long way toward helping Arizona. But one of the things beyond that when it comes to defense, and I think Arizona will do this to some degree, they'll play zone to try to uh, keep teams – to keep better, more athletic teams from doing a lot of penetrating dish. But beyond that, Arizona just has to be a monster on the glass. Right. And, 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 and that's really, as much as we talk about, generally speaking, athleticism or lack thereof in terms of how you handle certain situations defensively, I think a lot of that really comes to the fray when you're dealing with rebounding. 
And if you can't rebound against the more athletic teams, you're going to lose those basketball games. And that's an area where I think Arizona really has to pay a lot of attention, attention and try to be as good as it possibly can. Yeah, there, you're going to have to be really fun. I mean, this will sound like a real cliche, no duh, but you're going to have to be really fundamentally sound next year because you're not, again, we talked all season about how Arizona had the margin for error that it did, that it, Arizona could play bad basketball and beat good teams. Well, you're losing possibly three first-round picks right there, so you're not going to have that margin for error. And I think that's certainly something that Arizona's going to have to keep an eye on. I, it goes right there with me, too, about the rebounding, and you talked about that a lot throughout the season. And that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, – defense obviously so Arizona's going to have to be able to change that up a little bit yeah and I think it's going to be a little frustrating for you too because you're a guy who likes paying a lot of attention to the point guard position and how that point guard position handles the defender across from him you're a big can that better athlete get into the lane and make a lot of different things happen and Arizona at that position on the floor might have a liability and if it does I think you specifically could be understandably frustrated uh, by a result of uh, that liability, and it'll be interesting to see if that, in, f- in fact, plays out that way, what it is that Arizona can do to try to negate that a bit. He's John Schuster. I'm Mike Luke. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast.